I'm Void. And I'm Beach. And together, we're the geek to geek podcast. Well, we make it. It is kind of us, but I guess it's separate. Every week, we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while. And you're invited. We talk about books and movies, games, comics, the internet. Or really whatever we feel like. Yeah, that too. So look for the geek to geek podcast on iTunes. Or wherever your podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Or whatever. Comics. Hey everyone, this is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the the languishing, lascivious Liam of Langley. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. We are the hosts of the Comic Box, part of the Geek to Geek Podcast Network. So join us. Bop, bop. Oh, yeah. Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 95 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Ani Pundit, writer and director of The Mad Ones. How you doing, Ani? I'm doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for coming on the show today. Um, before we get too far into today's topic, why don't we get to know a little bit about you? Go ahead sure. and tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, uh, I am a filmmaker and also have experience in business and teaching. I have a bit of an eclectic background. Um, I've also been sort of a wanderer most of my life. I was born in India uh, and there's awesome city of Bombay. Um, my family moved here when I was quite young, around eight or nine, um, but then we kept moving around. So I've lived in all of places from inner city Baltimore to farm country Pennsylvania to New Hampshire. Um, and then in adult life, I moved around through various careers and as well. And I've had the pleasure to live in New York, San Francisco. I'm now in Los Angeles. Um, and... I guess that's a very wandering explanation, but I'm, yeah, there, there's, I guess, a lot of parts to me. That's very cool. It sounds like you have a wandering life, so yes, wandering explanation is perfectly okay. Yes. <laughs> very nice. Now, um, what type of uh, geek are you? What are your areas of geekitude? Um, well, it's, it's funny because I grew up sort of uh, amongst what you would, I guess, call traditional geeks. I used to love all of my friends were um, really into Star Wars and got me into Star Wars. I actually saw Star Wars the first time ever um, during the re-release in 1996, if you remember the theatrical re-release of the original trilogy, yeah. um, the special edition, I guess. I can't even remember how many editions ago that was. <laughs> um, but so, you know, I kind of, I kind of got into a lot of that traditional stuff, X-Men through the cartoon at first and then, um, the, the comic books, um, so I kind of got into all of that stuff maybe a little bit later, maybe in my early teens than a lot of my friends had. Mm -hmm. um, but it was really fun to get into. Um, 
I personally developed a tremendous love for the work of Steven Spielberg. Jurassic Park is my absolute favorite movie of all time. I must have, I've seen it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times and could probably quote every line. And, um, and I think it was really his storytelling and the kinds of stories that he told me as a kid through E.T. and Jaws and Jurassic Park and Indiana Jones that I think made me fall in love with cinema as a whole and storytelling as a whole. Um, so I think right now that's probably my my main area of geekitude, uh, you would say, is is cinema and storytelling or that's awesome. That's awesome. And and do you have a a favorite genre? Does it t- kind of skew towards the science fiction or No, you know, as I started um to get into film, uh I sort of have three I I kind of discovered three filmic soulmates out there. Spielberg definitely being one of them, and then I went to a v- incredibly opposite extreme with a guy named John Cassavetes. I'm not sure if you've heard of him, Joe, or if a lot of your viewers may have. Um have you that. Um, the name sounds a little bit okay. familiar, but I wouldn't be able to give yeah, you. Yeah, it's you know he's not even like cool for cool indie film people to like. <laughs> he's just been he's just been difficult and unpopular from the beginning. He made movies in the sixties and seventies. A lot of people might know him as the husband in Rosemary's Baby. He was an actor, okay. uh, but then uh, turned into a filmmaker and kind of the first independent filmmaker of note um, ever in the fifties. Just working out of the studio system, getting into the sixties and seventies, and just made these films that are hyper realistic that are insanely painful and laborious to watch but also (laughs) really funny and then you know you're kind of glad when they're over and they never ever leave you you think about them forever and it ends up being a feeling like you knew those people in real life and those experiences that you had are actually now baked into your own life experience um wow very very different from spielberg highly recommend people checking them out i guarantee you you won't like them at first but sort of had that and then um discovered fellini in film school Mm -hmm. um, the italian filmmaker and what I loved about him was he kind of just blew open the form and we have Cassavetes who was doing things that were extremely realistic. And then if anyone's seen a Fellini movie, eight and a half, I think being maybe his most famous one, um, La Dolce Vita as well. Uh, he kind of cracks open film in a way that I'm only recently discovering is similar to what I loved about comic books where, you know, you have a, sure, you have some structure, you have a page and you have a frame, but like anything could happen in those frames. Deadpool could start turning around and talking to you directly or, you know, uh, completely unexpected things. One frame could break out and lead into another frame. I think Fleeney did stuff like that that really I loved, um, where dreams and reality are kind of merged. And so I think my cinema brain is sort of a combination of those three people. That's awesome. Yeah, like I it's been it's been a while since I've had like a good strong healthy moving geek on here so it's kind of nice it's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um are there areas where your geekitude is low? Kind of typical geeky areas that you kind of steer away from? So, you know, I don't steer away from these uh uh intentionally, but for some reason I know deep down that that I should love and I will love. There are three things. I think Star Trek, I think Doctor Who, and I think Battlestar Galactica. Everybody, okay. all of my friends have been like, you have to, you have to, you have to, you have to, you love it, yada, yada, yada. And I keep trying to dip my toes into those and I just cannot hook in and I don't know why. And I hope I can, I can crack them because I feel like there's a lot to enjoy. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, a relatively 
big Star Trek fan, but mm-hmm. as far as Doctor Who and Battlestar Galactica goes, I, I've given both a shot. I enjoyed what I did see of Battlestar Galactica, but it you, wasn't you enough. Started to the, you started from the beginning, Battlestar, so like the two 90-minute pilots or whatever they have? Yeah, I think okay. so. The I mean, the, the reboot, obviously, mm-hmm, of the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just I don't know why people kept saying it's better, but I just couldn't get my hands into it. But I'm gonna keep trying. Yeah, I I, I think I think the Doctor Who ship though for me has passed. I've made several <laughs> attempts, and I just I just it's and not it, my thing. Good, I don't feel so bad anymore. Hey, Star Trek, I I can't get the I, I I mean I've read about them and I but then I forget, but I can't get all the different versions of them straight. What would you recommend as the best way to get started on Star Trek? Best way to get started on Star yeah. Trek because there's um, so many editions or versions right uh yeah i i would start with the i would probably start with next generation i okay. think there's a lot of people out there that are probably listening to this and screaming no <laughs> you gotta start at the beginning okay. but um but i think it's the next generation kind of has that um what what the majority of mm-hmm. this franchise kind of goes off of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i do think that with discovery they've taken a new turn on it and i i like it i think it it doesn't follow the same format as as the last few Mm -hmm. but um but if that's That's not um you know the other the other direction i would go is watch the new movies just to Mm kind of get a taste of yeah i have i have seen the new movies i mean it's fun but i feel like they're they're so modern in tone that um i don't know i'm 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 kind of interested in the more nerdier vintage vintage star trek yeah, they, 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 their tone is is okay as far as that kind of feel goes. It has the same um, kind of comedy chops and, mm-hmm. and silliness that the original had mm-hmm. without having to sit through the original, which is very campy at this point. Uh, but but I'd say Next Generation's kind of got the whole we're, you know, scientists out in the out in space exploring yeah. the world and the galaxy yeah, kind of thing. Cool. And, you know, one other, I just thought of it, one other thing that I am uh, have some embarrassingly low geek to see, not embarrassingly, but I want to, I grew up playing Magic the Gathering. I used to love Magic the Gathering. Uh-huh. Um, have you ever played? I, I played a long time ago when it first came out. Yeah, so I, I think I got to, like, I, I dropped off in, like, fifth edition, I think it was around um, 98, 99, and... Uh, now when I go back to it, like I have my old deck still and things like that, but if I see it in the store and I get excited and I want to look into it again, it has obviously uh, expanded and grown and morphed so much in the last 20 years that it's almost unrecognizable to me, which makes me sad. Um, but I'm mm-hmm. hoping to find some time to, I don't know how, catch up on the last decade or two of Magic the Gathering and, and relearn where we are today. The thing I've learned about people who play Magic the Gathering is they are always willing to catch you up. Here's a deck of mine that I don't use anymore. Why don't we play? <laughs> like, That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I've got a lot of students who will do who will play that, and so mm-hmm. uh, in fact, yeah, we I mean, too. we had we had just one edition back in the day, but now there's like ten different versions or storylines you could be playing with and things. I can't, I can't even completely follow. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. What were you no, no, no problem. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 gotten kind of crazy out of control. I know there was. Um, I think it was last year that I I took my kids to a theater festival mm-hmm. and uh, in between rounds of the competition like my entire tech crew was sitting there playing Magic the Gathering in this little <laughs> cubby that they had found and it just kind of you know there was maybe like 
five or six tables and I don't think people realized it was there, but as people realized that that's what they were doing, it's just like more and more people from different schools just all started playing magic. (laughs) That makes me so happy that it's still alive. And I mean like all of this stuff, I I talk to Barbara and Brian at Fanbase about this all the time, but, um, and I'm sure, you know, it's, it's common awareness, but like, this is the stuff that like made me isolated and not cool growing up. And now I, it just, I just can't believe I'm living in a time when, you know, the Avengers or Batman versus Superman is like the biggest cultural event, pop mainstream cultural event in the world. Um, Magic Gathering is like still alive and this big. I just could never have imagined that when I was a kid playing this stuff. No, not at all. I mean, I think the time I, I really truly understood the scope of how the geeks won is <laughs> when Force Awakens was about to come out. Yeah. It was like that is all the world talked about for like a month right. and a half. Right. And it was it was kind of insane because yeah, yeah as you're right, like we uh, you know, I remember um I cuz I was an Uber geek when I was a kid and I remember wearing a Star Trek communicator to to school like a little pin. Mm-hmm. And one of my teachers looking at me and going, "You're just asking to be beaten up, aren't you?" <laughs> and and you know, it was that was the kind of Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I, I ended up, um, I ended up working at Google for many years. Um, and I think what happened, it was really strange. I, I grew up probably would have ended up being on the engineering side of a company like that, you know, like all the geeks that were sort of concentrated there, but somehow I ended up in sales with all the quote, cool kids. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I think that's when my realization happened is when the cool kids were getting into like zombies and vampires and like selling quirky zombie survival kits during lunch breaks and stuff like that. And I'm like, how this is, this is completely reversed. How is this, you know, happening within like such a a mainstream way, but yeah, it's exciting. I love it. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're living in good geek times. (laughs) Well, um, with all of this going on, do you have a a favorite fandom? Do you have something that you tend to go back to over and over again? Uh, you know, I think uh, X Men and and uh, Jurassic Park or Spielberg are probably my my two things that I just uh, if if not in person, I just am always thinking about and playing with in my mind. Nice. You you yeah. did uh, you did the cartoon like the rest of us did. Yeah, that's how I got started, and I, I don't know. I guess they did such a great job introing the characters and what we love about each of the characters. Uh, it's hard to judge anything um, without comparing it to the cartoon. Yeah, have you have you ever seen the um, uh, honest trailers take on the '90s X-Men cartoon? <laughs> I have not. I will check it out. I will have to send it to you. Yeah, it is yeah, it is quite great. accurate and bring it, it <laughs> hits all the nostalgia buttons. That's um, great, but in the very irreverent way that they're known to mm-hmm. to, to do it. But uh, what is your what is your favorite? Uh, did, have you moved much past uh, the cartoon? Is there is there a team that you like or a character? You know, um, I, I, Logan fucking blew me away. Excuse me for my language. No, no, I, I fully agree. (laughs) I so enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, I was a big fan of X-Men 1 and 2. I was very disappointed and heartbroken with 3, like, like most of us. And then Mm -hmm. I was really impressed with First Class and then how Brian Singer was able to bring all of that back together. Um, in Days of Future Past, I couldn't, again, that's another living in geek times. I couldn't believe that the major 
film we were watching was Days of Future Past with like yeah. now the biggest stars. And I, that's just unfathomable. I don't know if you, I used to get those wizard comics as a kid or not comics, the wizard books that were the, the trade magazines for how much each card is worth and stuff like that. I don't know if you remember those. Yeah, absolutely. But, I had a whole, I still may have a collection yeah. somewhere in a closet at my parents. <laughs> and I don't know if you, if you're like monthly or it seems like almost every time they used to have like, uh, um, Ca- fantasy casting of who we mm-hmm. wish like would be cast as the X different X-Men. Uh, and I remember always Patrick Stewart was always professor X and anyway, th- sorry, now I'm reminiscing again, but now it's, it's just amazing that like, this is, this is where we are where, Hey, Patrick Stewart is professor X and, and we're seeing him like in this weird post apocalyptic world where he's crazy and Wolverine's trying to save him. And, and, um, you know, I think, People talking about, uh, the other thing I loved about Logan, um, people talking about feminism and, and strong female characters these days. Mm-hmm. I had really mixed feelings about Wonder Woman. But then when I look at Logan and I'm like, that is an incredibly, uh, humble, I'm humbly stating this, but a very f- feminist and a very, um, I don't know, female empowering film when you yeah. have somebody like me who's, uh, you know, in his, uh, some dude in his thirties who grew up loving Wolverine, watching a Wolverine movie and at the end wishing he was a 12 year old girl. If you can accomplish that in a movie, I feel like, I feel like you've nailed it. So. Yeah, and I, don't, I, was, I don't remember where this question started, but we are now talking about X Men. Well, it's true, and and it's since I'm I'm going to ask you. I don't know if you've even seen this yet, but since since you're a film geek, mm-hmm. um, there they just released the trailer for New Mutants. Yes, well, I I need so I, I've been under a rock in terms of like pre news, like building up to it. So I just saw it when the world's out when the trailers came up mm-hmm. and I need it explained to me. So I'm very excited about it. It is Fox. It's obviously within the X-Men world, but they're structuring it like a straight up horror film almost. Right. 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 And I, I had this conversation with my friend, Rob, who, you know, he sent me the, the trailer because he knows that the new mutants are my, that's my X-Men thing. I oh, love cool. the new mutants. Cool. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the trailer and I was heartbroken because I'm like, why are they turning it into a horror film? Oh, no. And uh, a regular contributor to the show, uh, my friend Ray, uh, who comes on and talks about all the comic book and Star Wars movies with mm-hmm. me, um, started. we started going back and forth online. And he's like, you know, New Mutants have a very horror feel to them for a mm-hmm. good part of the run. And I'm like, yeah, but they have to have that, that kind of teen angsty thing mm-hmm. at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And... I'm trying to separate what I know about New Mutants <laughs> with this, what I would arguably say is a very cool take on a comic book film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm, I'm resistant because it's, it's not, you know, hashtag not my New Mutants, and, <laughs> I, and I feel, I feel awful about that because I try not to be that guy. But right, right. But as well, soon look, as it hits my fandom. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, look from the outside, from not knowing anything about New Mutants, um, it did seem like there was a lot of teen angst stuff in there. So maybe, you know. Maybe you coming in with a lot of knowledge, maybe there wasn't enough, or maybe they're not highlighting that in the trailer right mm-hmm. now. But at least for an audience that, like me, who is needs an introduction to them, I feel like there was a little bit. So maybe there's maybe there's reason to be optimistic. Yeah. Well, and I, I read a, uh, I think it was an IGN um, article that Rob sent me and said, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that Fox, you know, they did kind of flip the script with both Deadpool and Logan. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, 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 they're, they're doing good out of the box stuff. <laughs> so I gotta, well, I gotta kind of give it to them. 
You know what's cool? I think a couple of years ago, I started hearing just chatter about superhero fatigue, superhero fatigue, because we were all so happy with the Disney Marvel take on stuff, and and but then eventually it started feeling the same. But I think mm-hmm. what what's been great now is the quote superhero film is now just modern vernacular and like known structure for a movie. Mm -hmm. You don't have to like reintroduce, you don't need origin stories or explanations or complete, you know, uh, clarity around every power or rule or anything. The world just sort of understands there's this thing called a superhero movie. And then on top of that, now we can start doing really cool variations on it, like Logan, like Deadpool, and then Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe new mutants. So I don't know. I, I think it's pretty exciting and also shows again, how far, how much we the geeks have won? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, I will, I will, I will hold out hope. That was that yes. was going to be part of my weekly geekery, but I felt like it fit right in here. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so we'll uh, we'll we'll just hope for the best. I think as I, as I said to somebody last night, I, I said, you know what? I've I've just gotta I've got to divorce myself from what I know and yeah. trust that they're doing cool things with my characters. Yeah, yeah. Well, very cool. Um. Is there anything out there in your experience that you have just fallen in love with that you know not many people know about and you like anytime you're somebody's looking for this type of media you're like this is what you need to look at. Yeah, that's a great question. Um you know, we've been talking about movies uh and and sort of pop culture a lot, but there I think there's two other things that one or two other things that I like I'm always obsessed about and thinking about and trying to drive people to. Um, and one is uh, what I call country music, which I think makes a lot of people run away or get really tense really fast. But what mm-hmm. I mean by that is um, I think what's often described as folk music or grassroots music, but the, the stuff that was recorded in the thirties and forties um you know, there was this guy named Alan Lomax and, and actually his son, um, or um, yeah, his son, John, um, God, I might be getting his name wrong now. I apologize. But anyway, Alan Lomax and his son, uh, as part of the New Deal, as part, so, a part of the government program to get us out of the depression, they'd been funded to just sort of go out and capture what was considered, quote, American music in that time. Um, music was primarily a European thing. We didn't really, you know, jazz was just being recorded. There wasn't rock mm-hmm. and roll. There wasn't really any kind of American music. And these guys drove around through kind of the farms in the south and the Ozarks and these mountain towns in in the Ozarks uh, in Kentucky and <clears throat> Virginia and just went up to houses and families and townships and just recorded what people were singing on their front porches, what they were singing around campfires, what they were singing during weddings um, and wrote out the lyrics and recorded this musicology of kind of American music that people were nobody was recording and they were just out there as quote folk music. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's amazing, beautiful stuff, whether you like, you know, s- soothing Irish ballads or whether you like really cool blues or whether you like almost like hip hoppy, like really interesting rhythmic stuff. There are so many things out there that just, um, you know, random former slaves or random white, uh, you know, farmer kid that had never been to school were singing. 
And that kind of formed the basis of a lot of American music. And then in the 50s and 60s is sort of when these the, this new generation of hipsters like Bob Dylan and Jimi Hendrix and um, those guys and the and the Chess Brothers in Chicago kind of discovered all of this work and turned it into like that first generation of rock and roll and folk and blues and stuff that we think about. But a lot of people don't know much of where it started and where it came from in, in, in the 30s. And so that's something that I always really, really get passionate about. And I'm, I'm working on a lot of projects around that right now. Well, that's really cool. That's really yeah. cool. Because, yeah, that is something that I think a lot of people would be interested in, but maybe don't have easy access to. Yeah. And I think nowadays, you know, again, it's getting so mainstream, but you people like Mumford and Sons and the Yvette brothers, and there's just a lot of mainstream indie rock that's influenced by folk from the sixties, like Dylan and, um, Pete Seeger and those guys. But again, those guys were actually the hipsters of their time that mm-hmm. were influenced by the stuff that was 30 years before. Um, and, and yeah, I think anybody that's into that stuff, I, I would encourage to, to dig deeper and see there's, there's just a wealth, a wealth of things to enjoy. Very cool. Very, very cool. And the last question before we, uh, talk about our weekly geekery, um, is I know you're, you're doing a lot of work with the mad ones. Uh, anything mm-hmm. else that you've got on the table right now that you're working on? Um, yeah, actually it's, it's a startup. It's not a movie, but, um, you know, there's, there's this, part of the industry, part of the film industry that's not really the studio filmmaking um, industry, but very robust, especially out here in Los Angeles, but in production centers everywhere in New York and Austin, Texas and Louisiana or wherever people are making movies. Mm-hmm. And those are people making like indie films. There are people making um, web series. There's also people making commercials, music videos, all this kind of stuff. And Right now, it's really just like a loosely connected network of freelancers that are connected through Facebook and text message and email. And there's nothing really bringing everybody together in a coherent industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a friend of mine, uh, JJ Englert, who's actually my first assistant director on The Mad Ones, um, is uh, creating this company called Industry Jump, which is really, really cool. It's starting off as a career management platform for people who are freelancers in the kind of creative video production space. Um, and it's providing like really easy way to find crew, to get rated, to build your resume, to get paid guaranteed payments, um, sort of like a Yelp and Airbnb combined for film crew. And I'm kind of acting COO of that right now. And we're raising money and we're just, we just launched a beta site. Um, so we're really excited because I think it's going to empower a lot of freelance creative artists out there. Very cool. That sounds like a much needed thing. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Well, cool. Well, thank you for sharing yourself with us today and letting us get to know you a little bit better. Um, We're going to move on to our weekly geekery, which is all the geeky stuff we did specifically this week. Um, And I'm going to just start. We already talked a little bit about my uh, my New Mutants breakdown. Um, (laughs) But but on my commute this week, I've been listening to Neil Gaiman's... um, Norse mythology, also a, a Rob recommendation. And um, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's one of those things that I can't necessarily listen to nonstop. I kind of have to break it up because it is very, um, very specific in, in tone and, and kind of sound because it is an audiobook. And, um, but it's very good. And I, I have a, a pretty good background with Greek mythology, but I don't have a big, um, a, a lot of knowledge about Norse mythology. So it's kind of a good, 
uh, introduction, a good int- entry into mm-hmm. Norse mythology. So I highly recommend. How 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 familiar or strange does it feel? Like how different is it from Greek mythology? Um, the two big things that I notice the most are the the gods are the heroes. Where I feel in mm-hmm. in Greek mythology, the gods are kind of foils to the heroes. Ah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um, it, it's I think with the Greek gods, there's a lot more focus on each of the gods themselves and what they do and how they became the in charge of that kind of domain mm-hmm. where this is kind of like, yeah, they're, they're there and they do these things, but really they're going to go on these adventures. And so got it's it, less about it. them and what, yeah. how, how they are worshiped. Like you, they don't, they don't really aren't worshiped by anybody in these stories where mm-hmm. in Greek mythology, it is people saying, you know, paying tribute or, um, or defying them and them, you know, creating, creatures and animals because people didn't do what they were supposed to do. Right. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, uh, you know, I've, I figured, Hey, you know, with, with Thor Ragnarok coming up, it was a good time mm-hmm. to kind of dive into that. And my, uh, sure. my, my husband and I went to, um, Iceland and Norway over the summer. And so oh, cool. all the, all the talk of, of Vikings, we were like, you know, <laughs> we should probably get that. to know this a little bit better. Cause it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I've been working on that and, um, we're doing every year my school does a a silent auction and so um the the teachers are asked to kind of take their homeroom and and collaborate on putting up a a basket that can be sold at the silent auction and my kids decided to do a, a steampunk basket <laughs> that's awesome which which is awesome and and, and further evidence yeah. that that the geeks have won <laughs> Never, that's insane. How old are these kids? Uh, high school, so fifteen. That's that's still awesome. Cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, I thought, okay, we got some good ideas, and we've got people working on yeah. some things here and there, and but it's kind of sparked a, a little bit of an interest um, in in steampunk with me for this past week. So I've been looking for cool. for some good books. I'm uh, I'm going to be uh, reading and or listening to stuff by our friends uh, T. Morris and Pitt Ballantyne, who've been on the show before, and. Um, and actually, for anybody who is uh, listens to multiple um, Geek to Geek ne- network shows, I'm also going to be reading uh, Beige's book, which is uh, uh, steampunk. But it's just kind of cool to look at all the, you know, I, I spent a lot of time on Pinterest this week looking for things we could I, do. <laughs> and, yeah, and it's it's so this is totally coincidence, but it's so funny. I just had an inkling where I wanted like a steampunky desktop picture last week. And I have been looking through like steampunk Pinterest stuff, uh, for several days as well. Pinterest is the geek rabbit hole. Like it's terrible. Like you get on there and it's just like, it's hard to get. (laughs) Yeah. I think it ended up, I started with, um, with this and then it somehow led me to X files, uh, fan art. And then now I have, uh, Agent uh, Scully, a sexy fan art of Agent Scully. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, I, I, and then, uh, you know, starting to, I, I do everything via podcasts because I have mm-hmm. a, a, a ridiculous drive in and out to work. Mm-hmm. And so if I want to learn about something, I find podcasts. And so I've, I've been listening to a couple of uh, steampunk podcasts to try and kind of just get an idea and flavor for it. Mm-hmm. And, have pretty much decided that this is not something I want to delve into because I do not want to spend the the money that these people do <laughs> becoming <laughs> right. uh, in, indoctrinated into the culture. Right, right. But 
anyway, those are those were my weekly geekeries for this week. How about you? Cool. Um, just things that I've been getting into. Yeah, just this week. Um, I, I've been watching the Last Jedi trailer over and over and over again, which I'm nice. not very excited about. Um, yeah, and uh, and uh, oh, I'm really excited. My girlfriend has never seen ET, so. Oh. I know, um, and she totally loved it. She's a cinephile as well. It's not, it's not like an intentional avoidance. She's always wanted to, but hasn't gotten around to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she's, fu- it's funny. She's a cinephile, but kind of grew up on way more artsier stuff than I actually did. Um, and so I am coming back and introducing her to a lot of like the mainstream stuff that I really love. Um, but yeah, I think uh, we started it. Um, the other day and uh we had to pause it because it was getting very very late so we're gonna restart it and and watch it again this weekend which i cannot wait that's really cool yeah. i i know growing up i had um well i i consider her great aunt but she was one of my grandma's best friends from high school mm-hmm. and anytime they released et in the film she'd come and take us to to go see it that was kind oh, of her awesome. her thing and we we'd watch it i don't know every every time they released it we went with aunt virgie to go uh, <laughs> to go watch it it was good so, memories mm-hmm very cool. Anything else? Uh, no, that's about it. Because, uh, yeah, the movie's taking up all of my free time right now. I bet. I bet. <laughs> well, why don't we take a quick commercial break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the mad ones. Great. Awesome. Right, we'll be right back. Hey, listeners. This is Barbara Dillon from Fanbase Press, and I'm here to let you know that in addition to our podcasts and website, Fanbase Press is also a publisher of comic books, graphic novels, and other fine media. The Gamma Gals is an exciting and action-packed trade paperback from Fanbase Press that tells the story of three RPG-loving teenage girls who awaken from a gamma-irradiated storm to discover they have extraordinary superpowers and must protect their city from countless supervillains, monsters, and more. Created, written, and illustrated by newcomer Stefano Terry, the Gamma Gals features a diverse cast of characters that aims to show all readers that everyone can be a superhero. Vito Lapicola, producer and host of Comics on Comics, says, This comic is as charming, witty, and heartfelt as they come. Trust me when I say that the Gamma Gals is a gem. Visit fanbasepress.com today and click on the store link to purchase your own copy of the Gamma Gals or one of our other amazing graphic novels. Hey everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we're the hosts of the podcast, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture. We try to have a female perspective on things, but we really just talk about anything we like. What are some recent topics we've done, Katie? Uh, well, we've talked about girl power songs, Wonder Woman, Veronica Mars, young adult fiction novels, San Diego Comic Con, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher and start listening today. All right, and we're back. And I just want to remind everyone that on October 28th, I will be in Phoenix, Arizona at the PIY event uh, that the authors of Podcasting for Dummies 3rd Edition will be doing. And, uh, so come on out and see that we can, I will start posting, um, a link to the information and how to do that 
and join us, but uh, T. Morris, who I just mentioned a, a little while ago, and uh, a couple of other podcasters, the, I believe the Two Gay Geeks will be there as well. There's a bunch of us going to get together and, and do panels on how to start your own podcast. So I will be talking about all the different accessories that we can uh, use to make our, our podcasting lives more uh, more fun or, or easier. So that's that's what we're doing on the 28th, so come check it out. All right, so the the meat and potatoes of today is we are talking about Ani's movie, The Mad Ones. So tell us what what this is all about. (laughs) Uh, Well, The Mad Ones is a feature film. I wrote and directed it, and I produced it along with my good friends uh, Jefferson Dutton and Saurabh Kakani. Um, And it just came out this week on all digital video on demand platforms. So that's like Amazon Video, iTunes, Google Play, Vudu, even PlayStations, um, all that kind of good stuff. So, um, you know, we made it independently um, and we've done we meaning the cast and crew and everyone involved did everything ourselves without any kind of institutional or studio support. Um, but uh, we do have a distributor uh, named Arstone Distribution that has gotten us onto these VOD platforms. And uh, a lot of the marketing ha- is driven by us. Um, and so check out our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash the mad ones movie. Um, and, we have we'll have over the next few weeks tons of cool clips and pictures and music and information about the movie coming up. Very cool. And uh, and what's the what's the movie about? The movie is about young professionals uh, looking for meaning in work and life. Um, and where that kind of came from, I wanted to when I. <clears throat> looked at movies about people in their 20s. Um, it would often have a lot of movies out there about, or most movies about people in their 20s often had some very similar themes and very limited experiences they would capture. It would often be about, you know, some, slacker dude who kind of like wants to do something vaguely artistic but is stuck in some job with a horrible boss uh, and then some like really cute girl comes in and inspires him to like quit his job stand up for himself and like easily just follow his passion uh, and that's really not what I felt what most of us experience. Not all of us have some secret artistic passion. Some of us went to school for marketing. Some of us went to school for accounting. Some of us went to school for computer science. And we're in these jobs now where, you know, we've done all of these right things. We spend 20% of our time working for nonprofits and 80% of our time doing this. And we've optimized all of our uh, social media stuff, yada, yada, yada. We seem to be living perfect lives, but everything just seems it doesn't feel satisfying exactly. And you can't pinpoint exactly what it is because the people around you are all pretty cool. Your boss is nice enough. You got a cool ping pong table at work, yada, yada, yada. Um, what do you do then if, if you have everything that's kind of working out, but it doesn't feel exactly right? Um, and that's sort of where this movie came from. It's about three young professionals. They're working at an ad agency and a nonprofit, and they've sort of lined everything up really, really well as they're supposed to be. Um, and everything seems to be going well for them, but it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. And something's missing. Um, and I thought that was actually a very funny concept as well. It's very easy to, you know, deal with something when you know what's wrong. But when you don't know what's wrong and everything's actually right and feels wrong, I think that's really funny. So we took a, a comic sort of approach to it, um, to the millennial angst uh, and and yeah, wrote and directed this film. 
That's awesome. It sounds like it, it is a different direction to the, the millennial movie that we've, we've seen so much lately. And, and it does kind of, I don't know, ask a, a different question or look at it from a different direction. When you were, when you were looking into this and writing this, did you feel like there was, um, that this was a regular problem for, for people who are, you know, in their twenties. Yeah, I think so, and I think a lot of that came from you know, I, I grew up around. Uh, I, I went to school to study film production. Then I was in the film industry. I'd always sort of been around these creative types, um, and so of course, writers are going to make movies about people in their twenties who want to be writers and et cetera, et cetera. But then when I, I left and I left the film world and joined the professional world for quite some time, I was working at Google and. Um, in media sales and then eventually in product development. And then I, I was doing some consulting for some other startups. Um, I met tons and tons of 20, 20 somethings, 30 somethings that, you know, that weren't slackers. They're really articulate. They're really intelligent. They're really passionate. They care about lots of things. They care about society. They care about their place in society. Um, and they look around and it's like, man, my boss is kind of nice, man. Like, you know, let's just take Google as an example. I'm getting three gourmet free meals a day. I have sleep pods. I got ping pong tables. I have massage rooms at work. Like things could not possibly be any better on paper. Um, but I, something's wrong. I keep, I keep wanting to just escape everything or run away or something isn't right. What is it? Because everything looks good. I kind of saw that problem over and over and over again. Um, but nobody talking about it in film. Yeah. Because I got, there's gotta be a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, unspoken rule that everything's great. So why, why rock the boat? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and you can't give a reason. And, and it's almost like there's, there's this universe trick that happens where, Anytime you're about to leave the boat or rock the boat, you're given like a slight promotion or a hope that like, oh, this other next job that you're going to get is going to be more satisfying than X. You never sort of get to the core problem because you keep getting tempted to go farther and farther down this road. Now, the answer isn't really like, oh, just quit and be a writer, quit and be an artist, man, or whatever, because those aren't easy things. And not everybody wants to go out and do things like that. Um, mm -hmm. So what do you do in that case? This is a really, this is a really cool concept. I know I'm going to ask some questions. If anything gets into spoiler territory, please by all <laughs> yeah. means say nope, not answering that. Sure. But um, you know, as a as a high school teacher, mm -hmm. I'm dealing with a bunch of students that are you know planning to go into the world after college mm -hmm. and and start working and everything. Mm -hmm. And I I have seen a shift um, of expectations oh, and it's insane. Yeah, and it's it's there's you know I have these big conversations with colleagues and 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 my husband's a college professor so um the, this kind of culture of um kind of just that the education is a service industry and that you know you've just got to put in your time yeah and, for the certificate and, for the piece of paper yeah and something something will be given to you. Yes. Yeah. And do you think that's a little bit about where that discontent comes from? I think absolutely. I, I think you, you nailed it in my perspective. And, you know, I think a lot of people give quote, the millennial generation a hard time for, um, feeling like they're entitled to things, but I think that's misunderstood. I don't think it's a sense of entitlement. I think as you were experiencing with your students, I, I do, I did a lot of tutoring as well recently. So I've worked with a lot of 15, 16 year olds in really great schools, really bright people. Um, and I, I think the intention is you have, you have this kid who is really bright, really hungry, looks out and looks at our societal 
moral code and takes it for granted that like, okay, if you work hard, you're going to get something back. If you do the right things and help the right people, help, help the underdogs, you'll be rewarded. Um, if you get the straight A's and, and the right scores in college and you combine it with the right, um, you know, community service and you combine it with the right AP classes and you combine it with the right job internship over the summer and you combine it with the right essay, all of these things, then you'll be rewarded with the right college thing and you should be doing that. That's the right thing to be doing. That's the right mm -hmm. thing to be doing for you and for the world. And I think a lot of people keep being told that and we were told that for years growing up and then you get spit out in the world and it's nothing like that. It's not a clear linear transaction where, oh, you did all of these things right and now you're getting that reward of satisfaction or at least that reward of seeing you improve the world in some way. It is not, it's much messier than that. Um, and I think a lot of people just weren't, aren't prepared for that and are being told a completely different narrative as they grow up. Yeah, no, I, I see that constantly. And I also see a lot of people who do what they think they're supposed to do mm -hmm. and not be, not necessarily what they want to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, so, and, it, and it works both ways. There's the people who, you know, you will be a nurse because that is what is needed right now. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, a booming industry and mm -hmm. yeah. you will be an engineer because it makes good money. Right. And, and so it's kind of programmed into them at an early age. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I know some of my colleagues and I will come in and go, okay, so what do you want to do? And they're like, I will do this. Yeah. No, what, what do you want to do? Well, yeah. I will do this. <laughs> like, uh oh, <laughs> we got another one. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, the, the one thing that I, I really wanted to be careful about with the film or this kind of discussion is I didn't want it to lead into the, you know, flick off society, quit your job and, and help people or quit your job and make art. Like, I feel like those are the two things that are just always kind of thrown out. Um, mm -hmm. but look, you talk to people, you know, anyone who works in the nonprofit space or anybody who works in, in a space that's quote socially conscious or helping people. And you realize there's just as much frustration. There's just as much dissatisfaction. There's just as much, um, you know, ambiguity and, and chaos in those worlds as there is in, in a professional quote, soul sucking nine to five job as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's not, it's, it, it's not satisfaction from the outside in. It's gotta be satisfaction from the inside out. And that I think your question, what do you want is actually very profound and it's not as simple. And it's not also as I think morally negative as people are, are trained to believe. I think growing up, you're always like, ah, oh, you shouldn't be thinking about what you want. You should be thinking about what the world needs. You should be thinking about, um, you know, what's good for others and what's good for you. Uh, but I think there is a more enlightened want or more enlightened desire of ours that we don't really have conversations about. Um, we don't really, uh, get encouraged to explore very much. Yeah. And, and, and a lack of, of those of us who are a little bit older explaining to the, to the, mm -hmm. the next generation, instead of telling the next generation, which I do think we, we are, are guilty of mm -hmm. sometimes, um, explaining that we often feel those same things, same even, things. you know, I'm yeah. about to turn 40 this year. And, yeah. uh, and it's, you know, we, everybody at some point is like, what have I done with my life? And <laughs> yes, exactly. has to be, has to be a little self-reflective yeah, and yeah. maybe that's not a bad thing. No, no. And I think maybe it's just coming, look, maybe it's just coming earlier and earlier these days because I look at these students and man, 
the students that I've worked with recently, I'm like, they are 10 times as mature as I was when I was 15 or 16. They're mm-hmm. 10 times as smart. You know, when I look at their resumes, first of all, the fact that they have resumes, and that, <laughs> it's out of this world, the amount that they've accomplished by 15 and 16. So maybe, I don't know, maybe we're reaching that sort of, uh, quote, midlife crisis earlier now because we're, we're squeezing so much out of childhood. Yeah, well, when you expect when 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 work has when school has be basically become your first career because for mm-hmm. these kids yes. it really has like yes, people don't realize it's way of putting it. Yeah, it it is their first career. They mm-hmm. are and and it when you think about that, I'm I'm having a ha- aha moment as we're talking about it. It would you know we go into work we expect to do our job and get paid and and I think they see that payment as the A. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and so. You know, it makes sense that this is this is what they're doing. They're going in yeah. and they're accomplishing what they've been mm-hmm. told they need to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So and our end of the bargain is giving them that A. Right. And you stay in your job for two years. You get that X percent raise. Uh, they're like, well, we put in the time for four years in high school doing exactly what you guys wanted us to do. Why mm-hmm. aren't you getting me into this school? Okay, now I'm in school and did ex- college and I did exactly what you guys told me to do. Why aren't you getting me this cool tech job? Now I'm there and doing exactly what you guys told me to do and helping all these people out. Why don't I feel satisfied? And then suddenly you realize nobody's in charge. Everyone's crazy and trying to figure it out. Uh, and there's no rules. We all make up the rules together, really. Yeah, I, you've, you've changed the way I'm going to look at my students on Monday. <laughs> I get it now. I understand what's going on. Very cool. What was your, what was your favorite thing about putting together this film? You know, I don't even have to think about it. It's the people. We, we made it on almost nothing. I had just landed in Los Angeles like a few months before. I'd known two people in this town, um, two or three people and, Everyone was so kind to connect me to other folks, connect me to other resources. And I think what came out of the movie was a family. I mean, I would consider the three leads, um, you know, some of my best friends. Uh, that's Anthony Gio, Dana DiLorenzo, Lafrenti Lopez. I'm uh, my first assistant director, who I didn't know at all until he joined the movie, is is my partner in that company that that I was talking about earlier, Industry Jump. Uh, you know, there's just so many people in the cast and crew that I've become so close with, and I think we have. Um, just sort of a sense of family and shared experience around around this film. That's awesome. Um, were there any surprises as you were going through? Any aha moments of your own? Um, oh, man. <laughs> There's daily, 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 daily surprises. I mean, it's the it, making movies might be the hardest thing that anybody can do. And I think... Um, I don't know if it was a surprise, but I was, I was hoping against it, but you, well, no, you know what? I take that back. Yes, this is what surprised me. Uh, while making movies, you get challenge after challenge after challenge to the point where almost you feel like everybody in the world doesn't want you to make it. Your neighbors don't want you to do it. The people you're borrowing, you know, resources from don't want you to do it. The people you're borrowing camera rentals from don't want you to do it. Your crew doesn't want you to do it. You're just making everybody's life miserable. And then out of the blue, the most unexpected people will come out and just provide you the most generous, kind support you can imagine. Um, you know, we were raising money for, for this film and, reached out to a lot of friends and a lot of family. And 
um, yeah, really close family, of course, very generously gave to raise money for the film. But then just random folks that I would have never anticipated. Somebody, you know, a friend uh, that I sat next to for a few months at Google because my desk got moved um, named Alex Collins was really kind of inspired that I quit and took this risk to go make the movie. And he's like, hey, man, you know, I would never do that myself. And I really appreciate you doing it. So here's some financing for your film. Like I, I would just so much kindness um, that's out there amidst all of these challenges, I think, is what what my aha moment was. That's awesome. That's very cool. Well, great. So we are going to be looking for these on Amazon, iTunes. Uh, uh, what, where else? Yeah, well, I think the easiest thing is go to the website. Um, that's themadonesmovie.com, um, and that has a link to everywhere you can watch it. If you're not convinced yet, because we haven't really actually talked about what's in the movie, uh, there's trailers, there's movie clips, and then if you follow us on Facebook, um, you know we're showing behind the behind or not behind the scenes photos. We're doing deleted scenes. Um, we're having kind of a community and conversation about a lot of things that that you and I just talked about. So um, find us on Facebook. Facebook, but go to themadonesmovie.com and that's like the easiest portal to find out more. I always I always worry about about saying too much about films because I don't want to mm. spoil anything. But I you did, super we, we appreciate didn't, it. We didn't speak specifically. Is there anything I we've missed that you want to get out there about the film? Oh no no no! Go see the trailer. You'll figure it out. That's what that's <laughs> I, I put in the work <laughs> to summarize it in two minutes on the trailer. So that's probably the best anyway. I really appreciate actually having the opportunity to talk about the themes and and thinking behind it because we do end up just talking about you know. Um, the plot and, and actors and marketing and making it and things like that. But really, we make it so that these ideas get transferred from our brains to yours. And so I really appreciate talking about about the ideas behind it with you. Awesome. Awesome. Good. I, I didn't misstep. Good. No, I'm happy. no, not at all. <laughs> well, very cool. Well, any shout outs before we start wrapping things up? Um, Man, I have hundreds of great ones uh but I'll, I'll just since since it's this audience since our connection i'll just shout out to fanbase press for making this happen um barbara uh and bryant uh bryant i've known since high school and i think was the first person that ever thought i was cool in any way <laughs> and uh and was kind of my introduction into into a lot of the geek world and uh, can't thank him enough for being such a wonderful friend and Barbara's been such an incredible supporter of me and the film and you know Fanbase Press was um, talking about uh, kindness in online dialogue and equity for uh, women and LGBTQ community and um, just being kind to each other within our geek world way, way, way before it was cool or it was common to see on a Facebook feed. So I just give them props for that, and they've put their money where their mouth is and are just the most wonderful people. Yeah, we we love Fanbase Press, and if, if I haven't sold them enough already, you should be going and checking them out continually. Yeah, they're awesome. Very cool. I would live, like to give a, a quick shout-out to um, to my friend Rob who has been talking to me all week about, he talked me down from my, my new mutants panic <laughs> and, um, and, uh, has been, uh, keeping my phone buzzing with, with fun, uh, fun geekiness this week. And also, uh, Ray Vargas for also kind of putting 
the the new mutants film into perspective you guys don't understand how big of a thing this is for me (laughs) i'm having geek rage and i'm trying not to because i like promote against it so (laughs) so a shout out to the two of them for kind of keeping me grounded this week um next week we i i have no idea guys i'm (laughs) october has really kicked my butt so we will be having some somebody next week but i will let you know when we get there great all the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geek2Dude is a proud member of the Geek2Geek Network. Check out other Geek2Geek shows such as the Geek2Geek Podcast, Geek Fitness Health Hacks, The Comic Box, and Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. And make sure to join our Reddit community at forward, r forward slash geek2geekcast. You can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at geektitude or me personally at epicgrays. And if you send a message to either of those, I can get you on our Slack and you can talk to all of the geek to geek podcasters and a lot of their fans. Uh, on Slack in real time, because we all have it open. Probably even when we're not supposed to, because we're supposed <laughs> to be working. Um, how about you, Ani? What, uh, where, where can we find you? Uh, the, you know, I'm not great on, on social media, but I'm trying with the film. So again, uh, just go to the website, the madonesmovie.com, and then the Facebook page is facebook.com slash the movie. That's basically me posting all that stuff up there. So, uh, you know, I try to, try to have a veneer of, of some big marketing operation, but it's me. So if you want to reach out, just directly message me through there. Um, and I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear what your thoughts are on this film. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for sharing it with us today. And, uh, and good luck. Please let us know how it's going. Thank uh, you so much, Jeff. Love to have you on again when, when your other projects start to, start to come for, to fruition. I'd love to be back. Thank you, Jeff. Awesome. And for the rest of you out there, remember this week, keep it geek. The Red Legion took away our home. Dominus Gaul has stolen our light. But from the ashes, a fire team of guardians rise to... Guardian down. Wait, wait, wait. Who was that? Uh, Titan, no jump good. This is Happy Hour from the Tower. I'm T. I'm Nick. I'm Brandon. And we're going to talk about all things Destiny. Why we play. Why we love punching aliens in the face. And why T's aim needs a little bit of work. Have you got that? Say you've got it. See something! A podcast for players of all levels. Find Happy Hour from the Tower on iTunes, Stitcher, or at happyhourfromthetower.com. Eyes up, Guardian. Time to give up the ghost. It's Happy Hour from the Tower. First round's on us. theme song means it is once again time to promo the Geek Wolfpack podcast. I'm your Papa Wolf, Nick Kelly. And I'm your Mama Wolf, Stacia Kelly. And I'm Thermal Wolf, Brennan Kelly. Here on the podcast, we're just a couple of generations geeking out and sharing what we think we think. We'll share the latest nerd news and sci-fi happenings. Looking for life hacks? I'll tell you if there's an app for that. And I'll give you the latest from a gamer's point of view. Plus, every episode includes some of what we like to call ADHD D&D. I'm a healer, and I killed a dragon. 
Spoilers. <laughs> so join us here at the Geek Wolfpack Podcast. Join us on iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, or wherever you find your podcasts, or simply at geekwolfpackpodcast.com. And as always, geek out.